0: Support for our innovation podcast comes from our friends at Interface, a globally recognized leader in the commercial flooring. Interface has been revolutionizing since day one with design forward products that promote sustainability and wellness. Learn more about Interface's innovations and inspiration at interface.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to our innovation podcast. Today, we're talking sound, sound, sound. And we have two great guests. First, we have our good friend Carrie Pay, lead designer at Interface. And we have the sound artist, composer, and sonic thinker Bruce Olin. And he is gonna open up our eyes and our ears as we talk sound. talking sounds with Bruce Odlin and you know you're going to teach us so much today and we're going to find all these interesting connections between our world of design and your world do you consider it sound music you're so original is there a title for something that original
1: yeah I'm a human you're a human you're a human I'm a human who pays attention to what I hear yeah my ears are hooked up to my brain
2: Yes, I feel like you're a teacher, and I read something about you that is called hearing perspective. You're a teacher of hearing perspectives.
1: I have to frame that in that hearing perspective is is a type of philosophy that I'm working on with my friend and uh, artistic partner Sam Allinger, and we work under the title of O and A, O for Odland, A for Allinger, and we realized. After a long period of time, what we were working on was a hearing perspective of the world. That mm. for, let's say, where did visual perspective come up as a as a concept? Where would you place it? Oh
2: goodness, visual perspective! A visual perspective. I think back. of Renaissance. Yeah, I was going to
0: say as that far back as the Renaissance. I would say further. I would agree.
1: Right yeah. around the time of the Renaissance, they figured out how to deal with visual perspective, and since then. You add a lot of firepower and math and processing Mm. power and you get uh, video games and you get um, 3D uh, virtual reality and other sorts of things, add polygons, add processing power. And our whole visual construct and our ability to create visualizations of what we're going to build in the future is all based on visual perspective. Mm. And it gives us this engine to describe the world. Yeah. It's close enough to how we perceive things with our eyes that we kind of believe it. Mm. But there's no such thing for sound. There aren't the words. There aren't the teachers. There aren't the constructs of what is a perspective of putting the world together by listening. Right. But we used to have this. We used to have back in hunter-gatherers, we wouldn't have survived if we didn't have...
0: Right, if you didn't hear. If yeah. you didn't right. hear right. And, and connect
1: what you heard to your brain. Yeah, understand
0: right. Understand the danger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah all or kinds of all things. things. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, if you didn't recognize the sound of your mother, you'd starve.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you didn't hear in the dark, you'd fall in a cave and be killed. hmm And then there's all the stuff like danger, low frequencies, high frequencies. Where's the bird in the tree? Where's my target? What am I gathering? And your whole orientation in the world being a 360 hearing sphere all around you Mm. that lets you know where you are in the midst of things. What all's around you at all times 24-7.
2: Can I bring this into our world today? It's like what you're saying brings to mind how we spend so much of our energy now talking about, you know, how crazy our lives are and how we have to disconnect. You know, our lives are just so hectic. We have no time to think. We have no time to be. Be. (laughs) So we're constantly disconnecting or talking about disconnecting. So how do you envision sound being incorporated into wellness in the in our built space, in our office space, in our homes, in our our places that we go and congregate.
1: I imagine that it would be an important transitional time now that this discussion is coming up to include more senses in the design brief, because what we see around us and what we live in and listen to and smell is a design brief that excludes most of those senses. So economy is in that and visuals are in that and three-dimensional space is in that and economics are in that but um, hearing the way our body feels uh, proprioceptive senses uh, are not part of this design brief so if we're, if we're concerned about our health now at this moment where uh, people are interested now in disconnecting and wondering what some good solutions are Um, I would say one of the first things is very simple. Close your eyes and listen to the world around you and listen to the unintentional sounds as well as the intentional sounds. That should be part of your design brief and maybe your experience of disconnecting. So a lot of the things that capture our attention right now are visual goads or visual fishing lures of some kind that have been highly designed by really professional and profoundly talented people to capture our attention and take it away. But closing one's eyes really stops a lot of that immediately. Then the next step would be to connect your brain to your ears and your hearing. And What was that clanking metal sound that just happened outside what is this soft breathing sound that is uh, gently rumbling in the background what are the reflections of my voice in this space what kind of acoustic space am i in what are the materials around me what are the things that i've put around me that are part of an acoustic space and how are they behaving so all of that is easily accessible in a few seconds of concentration, take a deep breath, close your eyes, and start to notice in real detail with observational scrutiny what are the sounds that are you're accepting around you that aren't your intentional sounds, your unintentional sounds.
0: Designing office space these days, everything is about, it's interesting, you say sound, we say noise. And with, there's an acceptance now of things being open so that people can connect and be open. But because that's because that's happening, then not having your own space and this is in terms of noise becomes a big issue. And we have so much product. Even Carrie, she's designing product that that's about acoustics. That's about mm. eliminating sound or absorbing. E- absorbing sound or taking sound away so that people can think. So in some ways it's like the opposite
2: mm-hmm. of of what you're captioning you yeah
1: well I, I see these as extremely important efforts at developing materials that will that will mitigate a sound once it happens and that will redirect a reflection once it happens so the way I would put that in a perspective to include that aspect of it in, in a broader way of thinking that comes out of hearing perspective that Sam and I have developed Um, I would say that I would look at it information theory wise in terms of noise uh, or sounds and I'm going to take a moment to say why I prefer sounds uh, than noise yes because sounds are uh, neutral Mm -hmm. noise is individually prescribed noise is what you don't want to hear
0: noise is a negative too in our world
1: yeah and it's a way of putting sounds in a trash bag and throwing them away and pretending they don't exist
0: Right.
1: whereas I think it's time to be archaeologists and open up that tr- noise trash bag and find out what it is because I believe that until we understand our noise we won't understand ourselves our noise is part of ourselves as a culture we should consider the sender what are the sounds that we put in our environment for the first place why do the disc drives make that sound? Well, Why do you, do you does the HVAC make that sound? Yeah. Why does the refrigerator make that sound? Why does the power grid... What about b- the
0: humans that make the sound? Mm-hmm. Have you ever dealt... Have Seriously, have you ever dealt with... Um, has anybody ever talked to you about, let's say, taking a company and looking at an office space? Yes,
1: yes, intently. I just did a recent study of the entire uh, TD Ameritrade hmm. structure from top to bottom.
0: Perfect. Uh-huh. In terms
1: of... Creating a useful uh, sound world for them from all of their aspects. So,
0: what did you learn and what did they learn?
1: Uh, what I learned was that let's not be too specific to them because I think it's right. widely specific is that nobody's thinking about designing their sounds. They're just thinking about signal tones, they're thinking about uh, grabbing attention. They're not thinking that sounds create a world. So, first, thinking about design. Well, maybe it's possible to make a fan that sounds nice. Maybe it's possible to make a disk drive that's in harmony with the fan. Maybe it's possible to make a water cooler that when it goes, that's in tune with something else so that all the implements that you put in are designed to have a fortuitous effect on the environment instead of an accidental effect of however they combine is fine because we bought them. So I'm going to say that our sound sources as a culture, even before we get to the transmission path, are like a giant detuned electric guitar that we don't know is detuned. <laughs> so we live in an situ- a entirely detuned, accidental sound non-design that's a result of the economy and of visual design processes without including the acoustical aspects of the design process. So that's why when you look out here, you can easily determine that all this glass and steel is making a resonating chamber that makes the buses louder. Mm. Okay, whose responsibility is that? Nobody's according to current thinking. Um, What does the bus sound like? Uh, Nobody's responsibility according to current thinking. What does the combination of things that we brought into our office environment sound like? nobody thinks about this but it has an effect on us and it tunes us out so because we're hunter-gatherers basically we're listening for patterns and when we hear a pattern we lock into it and we cut it out so we spend all our listening power cutting out the random sounds and we spend a lot of energy in one MIT study up to 40 or 50 percent of our energy is spent shutting things out right that we don't want to hear right. so, but is
0: our listeners listening to this because who would have known this would you have known this I would not have known this no but it it's makes like, perfect it sense makes, yeah it makes perfect sense but you'd think But we shut it out because we have to.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Because because the offer made to us by our built environment of sounds is so poor. Mm -hmm. It's not tuned to us. And just to bring the point about the built environment in one more time, we can change that. We can make a humane built environment.
2: The mechanics of the HVAC system sounds like wind blowing through trees, Mm. something like that.
1: Yeah, you can you can design it in a different way. You can design mm-hmm. non-parallel walls. You can design partial enclosures. You can design mitigation. You can create an environment with little bits of water in it. So the whole uh, the approach I think has to be inclusive of the built environment and the mitigation and the sound sources that you're bringing in. Then we get to transmission path and how all the materials are placed around us and all of those where people are making a huge amount of progress in mitigating that. We have to go back to the architects because if they're building parallel walls, we're already lost. If they're using hard plain surfaces, as your article, recent article said, we're already in big trouble because there's, there's not much understanding of acoustics going into this. So the real important thing here is to get acoustics and sound into the design brief early enough that it's not all mitigation
0: you know we're used to talking to designers and architects and then maybe the next layer of the periphery of what we think of as design and so you're a different commodity to us today Mm -hmm. which is so amazing Mm -hmm. and I think it might be a good idea to go back just give us a little brief history Bruce how was it that you got interested how how did that connect with you and how early on was it that sound was your became your thing
1: Yeah that's very from the very start I mean the first thing I remember was a sonic experience of being a toddler trying to walk up these stairs to get on the ferry boat and then the big whistle steam whistle blew and it blanked out the world hmm. and everything basically disappeared and i was terrified because the overwhelming sound of this and the adults around me my dear parents paid no attention to it whatsoever and i was just completely freaked out how how is it now in in a two-year-old doesn't know the world doesn't know the world uh as it is to somebody who's acclimatized and a two-year-old doesn't know the word acclimatized right but I wondered, how is it that they're not falling Right, what's
0: wrong down? with them? Why? Yeah,
1: why can they not? <laughs> they uh, don't hear it, or they? Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Are they not terrified by this right. world blanking out experience of this low frequency coming from this huge tower of a looming tower of a smokestack belching smoke <laughs> and and creating a sound that obliterates everything around right. them? What What's wrong with them?
0: When did you realize that this was something special?
1: Well, you know, unsuccessful attempts at channeling yourself um, are very instructive. Right. went to college to be a composer, only my dad wanted me to be a doctor, so I ended up in pre-med, but then I took a, an acoustics course and I found out about the early MOOC synthesizers and I got seduced into all early analog, you know how there are like young people who are digerati now? I yeah. was an analog about- or whatever, you know? <laughs> I knew how to plug in all the early Moog stuff and make cool sounds. And so as an undergrad, I started teaching the grad students how to use the analog gear. Mm. It's a complete inversion of now. Mm-hmm. Right, of course. So I got into that, then I, then I became a composer, and I started writing stuff, and I realized that I was, I was ready to go out into the world of 1840.
0: <laughs> you
1: know, all my skills that were set up were set up for some kind of imaginary Vienna that no longer existed. Right. So uh, I think there was, yes, there was a moment. Tell me,
0: tell oh, me that okay. moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I understand. All of that makes complete sense, right? We're on yeah. these roads and we're trying to figure it out and we stumble and you you keep coming back to the thing you love and you're figuring it out. So the moment, tell us the moment.
1: Yeah, I guess there was a moment where I was... Riding up a ski lift at this remote uh, ski area in Montana called Mustang Mountain. And then I was going up the ski lift, and it was so quiet mm. that I realized I was in the middle of the adventure of hearing Hmm. I was surrounded 360 because I was suspended from a wire on this thing and the thing was kind of of silent and then it goes and you're over to the next one and I heard the snow slide off the branches I heard a bird over there I heard and it was all three-dimensional it was all around me it wasn't like over there like an orchestra or right here like a telephone or like I'm talking to you very simple to understand information going from me to you or a pattern music coming from me to you it was a dimensional reality right, a, a so 360 bad. dimensional reality mm-hmm. which represented everything that was going on around me melting snow mm-hmm. gradually moving like a camera pan shot but panning through a th- four-dimensional including time mm-hmm. construct of hearing with me in the center being the observer and it was marvelous. Wow. The experience of I guess somebody could call that mindfulness, but you might be missing that yeah. experience by putting that label on it.
2: That vision connects me to the tank.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
2: Because you're in that space and you're a participant, you are as much of the par- of that space as you are in the tank.
0: Tell us about tell us about
2: that project,
0: the tank.
1: After this experience on yeah. the on the mountainside hearing in dimensions I realized wow um, what I've learned so far is only a part of a a tiny part of a story about human perception Uh, so um, I wanted to communicate this and I thought I could compose something for a ski lift and I got on this tilt that my exotic (laughs) Don Quixote fascination (laughs) was to create a piece of natural music that would Happen resonating on the side of a mountain, and people go, go through it as a concert sort of thing at night when they couldn't be distracted by their eyes. They would pass. And I thought, as a 23 year old nobody, that I could get ski areas to fund this thing. I went to uh, Bob Sheets, who was the head of the very first arts council state arts council in America that was in Colorado. And he said, that's a wonderful, wonderful idea, and maybe in 20 years you can do that, but I need you for something right now. Mm-hmm. And put me on this tour, a Chautauqua tour, taking the arts to 18 small communities that hadn't had oh, right. any live performances mm-hmm. in, in, since the vaudeville days, right? So I was this sound artist making collages of the towns where I could reflect what their towns sounded like to them as a pre-show. How was, that?
0: How was that for you? How was that experience? That was
1: cool as yeah. can be. Yeah. You know, to wander around a molybdenum mine and the process all the way from eating the rock off the surface of the mountain to produced molybdenum. All the shaker tables, all the rock crushers and everything put into a three-minute collage for the workers who worked in all that sort of stuff. And they were like into it like, there's shaker table number 12. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's the crusher, you know. <laughs> and That's so great. uh you know and it was kind of musically presented and so I was into it and it was revelatory for me and for many of the people who came to the audience because they don't normally listen to their <laughs> molybdenum mine as a piece of music by the time we got to our last stop Rangeley, colorado we were hot uh, all the artists on just really welcoming a town to the arts and old ladies Belly dancing in the streets. and
0: Wait, when and was this? When was this?
1: 1976, ah. the Bicentennial and Colorado Centennial. There was money for the arts at that time. Imagine that. Wow,
2: imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. There's something called an NEA then. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so there were 60 artists. There was me in my headphones and my uh, windscreens and microphones. And I thought I'd record the oil industry. And so I was walking around the streets and catching different activities that were going on. And there was a bit of an oil boom at the time and Rangeley was hopping. It's only 2,000 people, maybe 2,500 then. And this big, muddy four-wheeler truck showed up with two burly guys... And they said, are you that sound guy? And I said, yes. And they said, get in. And I got in.
2: Ooh, and get then in. And we started driving. <laughs> and
1: later on, people told me, oh, they gave you the ride, did they? <laughs> yes. Love so that. The, the hazing ride then had me thinking, da 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 whoops. <laughs> this is a big mistake. I know nothing about these people. Shall I throw my wallet out the window now? No, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, Um, to find a trace of me wait well let's see let's just take all the cards out and have them ready (laughs) they they finally after driving around in these gray dirt hills which looked like nothing I'd ever seen Mm Badlands we showed up to this gigantic uh, tank that's the shape of uh, the Jules Verne trip to the moon capsule but maybe 10 times larger uh, rusted and steel and standing on a little kind of crater like hill and they say get in you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god help. there's I ran a out dark of the <laughs> hole in the side of this thing
1: about 18 inches and you had to crawl through this uh, portal in order to get inside with the gear
0: wait we gotta hear what it sounds like to be in the tank <sighs>
1: So then they, uh, said, is your gear on? Turn it up to 11. Okay. And then they they beat on the outside with two by fours and threw rocks against it, which to them was the sound experience. But to me, it was this whammo, wow. whammo, all the needles in the red distortion and buried everything. And then the sound just kept going and going and going and going. And yeah. Give us
0: a Yeah. Like, what was it like?
2: That uh, first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow you know so uh had you
2: ever experienced anything like that before n- no did your mind like explode
1: absolutely <laughs> i thought these guys are for real mm. that's what they wanted me to hear they're hazing me for sure and this is the sonic hazing and the, the the ride was a hazing but they showed me something real
0: amazing mm-hmm. i
1: came back that night with a friend of mine who happened to be traveling with koto Shamyu Sen and shakuhachi flutes which we were learning together and we brought these thin long instruments which would fit through the hole and brought them back and did a recording session of much oh more subtle God. nature and it was just amazing and i've been back so there beautiful. ever since right it's wow. just the most overwhelming to be in the middle of your sound we're used to thinking of sound as an object by now instead of as a shamanistic activity which it started out as so it's an object that you buy or download and it goes in the background and it has unobjectionable qualities that can help decorate your room um, and sometimes give you an emotional experience if you push the right button and if you're in the tank you're in the middle of your own sound your own sound is coming back to you like like a giant golden funhouse mirror.
0: Let's take a listen. That was a performance by Rin Descartes. You know, we've just did a big awards program, and we have multiple categories now for acoustics. Mm -hmm. It never existed. Like, even a dozen years ago, it it didn't exist. You know, you're... Carrie, you're just...
2: Especially, you know, for hospitality, mm -hmm. hotels in particular, sound is a huge problem in the transference of sounds between floors. and, And because people want to have a relaxing... Stay when they go into a hotel. The hotels want to have the customers return. Right. So if they can't mitigate that sound, people aren't going to return to that hotel. Right. If you
0: can hear your neighbor, that's it. Right. Yeah.
1: Sound and acoustics is is only creeping its way very slowly and painfully into architectural training, where the reward system is mainly visual and economic, not not acoustical. Uh, so a lot of the the design even in the architecture in enlightened architecture they're not thinking about the space between the buildings our sonic commons where all sounds every place where you can everything within hearshot is your sonic commons we all share that Mm. sonic commons is a term that sam and i came up with a few years ago when we were writing some kind of scholarly paper trying to get people attuned to the fact that the space between the buildings means something and that The architect has a little responsibility for reflecting the sounds and making them louder going that way. And the guy on the other street, he has some responsibility too. And that sonic commons in New York City is mainly above the threshold of pain. Mm. It's mainly in the area where you can get permanent hearing damage. And that all your stressors are pinged.
2: I am so much more aware of that now that I've been living and working in Georgia. Part that's true, time. because you were living in New York City. for a full-time Manhattanite. Right. And so what was so that like? Monday through Thursday, I'm down in Georgia, and I live in this area that's called Serenby, Be Serene. And it's all about bringing nature into your life. It's an amazing contrast. So now when I'm home on the weekends, I hear things more. They are louder to me. But this brings me to think about something called body schema. Have, are you familiar with this term, body schema?
1: Please tell me.
2: (laughs) It's a part of our brain that exists that connects us through the very beginning of our lives, throughout our lives, to um, place and things and probably sounds also that we carry the relationship of these sounds through us, through our lives, and then we have a reaction to them. They could be sights that we saw. They could be sounds that we heard. They could be smells that we smell. Anything in our senses. And it's like this vocabulary of those things well, like that carry first, us like through like your first sound, life. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's mm. this neuroscience that's just starting to get some really serious uh, attention. attention. Uh-huh. The National Institute of Health just awarded Mount Sinai $45 million to study. This neuroscience wow. about where where is the beginning of the effects of the built environment on human mm. Mm. health wow,
0: do you feel do you feel that like because hearing you hearing you um, makes us think that, like even coming here to work today, I was like more aware of sound just because I was thinking about you, I was thinking about you coming in where in In architecture, one of the things we were talking about, health and wellness, one thing that has been a very big push is to get to light. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like, that has been really, really big, to get to light, which which is air and how we breathe, and you know, it seems very noble, right? But we have definitely not thought about sound in that way, in the Mm -hmm. way you are. How do you live every day? Is this, like, is it too overwhelming that we're also injured folks that, we <laughs> that were so like
1: I think without the awareness there's no way to fix it right and we're trying to bring this into discussion so that we could actually create something different uh, the infrastructure that we have is wearing out we'll have to build a new infrastructure with new type of power with new type of energy inputs with new type of h- human inputs and outputs and as we do it gives us an opportunity to include more human senses Uh, if you look at this long trajectory of visual perspective from the Renaissance to here it's it's accelerating it's accelerating at an exponential rate and it really severely needs counterpoint it needs a counterpoint of thinking and a really easy way to get a counterpoint of thinking is to close your eyes and think with your ears and immediately you have a counterpoint you have another you have another way to observe and that other way to observe hasn't been manipulated as much as the visuals have it hasn't been product tested it hasn't it hasn't been demographically sorted and schemed it hasn't been made virally explosive it's still pretty fresh Mm. Um.
2: this is I'm so happy to have this conversation because this reminds me also of the 14 patterns of biophilic design mm. are you familiar with that? Oh, yes. with Terrapin uh. Green Institute are you familiar with this no. so there are 14 patterns that have been identified that
0: yeah you'll be interested in this Bruce. yeah, yeah.
2: Th- that are you know s- um, identified by the Terrapin Green Institute it's an organization out of Washington DC and Bill Browning is the head of this organization and of these 14 patterns, uh, we have many examples through history of the built environment that identify these 14 patterns, but none except for one pattern, which usually references the sound of water.
0: Right. I was going to say water. Yeah.
2: That none uh, really include Sound. sound.
0: Right. That's that's what this is this a is a like huge omen. A, you're, we're like talking about a, re, a revelation. We're mm-hmm. talking about a revelation today. <laughs> because you know, in a way, you know, God, it, it, I feel like, "Oh my god, what what's been going on with us? We've made amazing strides, oh, let's yeah. say, in in the commercial office. That think everything used to be very, very hard because there were everything was a cubicle and everybody was isolated. And so the fact that now we're talking about the human spirit, we're talking about how we connect with each other. Like all those things oh, that are yeah. happening in an office that really didn't exist. So in that way we've made great strides. What happened is now the noise has become an issue and it's like how do people get away? How do people, how do people um, be with people when they want to and not when they don't? But but we never talk about sound, we talk or, about noise.
2: It's just or like. we never talk about designing products for the built environment that enhance the experience through sound. Right, we because
0: we're absorbing
2: it yeah. instead. We're absorbing yeah. the sound
0: instead. Yeah,
1: absorbing it within your body and canceling <laughs> it with your brain, leading to a little bit of a, yeah, a, a <sighs> sensual disorientation that makes us irritated when we do hear yeah, it a sounds voice. Like
2: all, all the more reason for power naps. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but but this conversation <laughs> is really encouraging to me that we're at the oh, point good
2: because we feel like what? i feel like i've been missing you, yeah we've been missing the, <laughs>
0: missing the
1: boat no you should we, we feel like you should feel like people opening the door yes and uh allowing people to think about this a little bit because absolutely designers can think about this and it's actually um an interesting thing to think about your company and what sounds your company is putting out there what are all the touch points that happen what are the sounds across all these touch points with consumers what is your message not just visually with the color and a logo but what is your message with the type of sound you're putting out and if you're thinking about the design of a corporate structure sonically it includes all kinds of areas where people encounter you how they approach your building what kind of sound it is when you go in there what does the elevator sound like is are you just trying to impress people with hip music and let them know that they're part of your clientele great that's fine that's beautifully effective what else are you going to do
0: we need you to think about some like doable steps don't don't we carrie Mm -hmm. we need some doable we need some doable steps that are like Like, that are tangible.
2: We have new headquarters at interface down in in Atlanta. And we created these wellness rooms where people can go and just, you know, be in a quiet space. But that sounds like it's not really going to have the same effect. He's talking much. Yeah. You're talking the whole space deflecting we we come out of that wellness space and all the sound is there again right how do we train ourselves to better absorb
1: i think uh, uh, an analogy that uh, that sam the a of ona likes to use is that at one point in time nobody used toothbrushes and so they didn't really realize that that it was important to brush the teeth And gradually over a period of time through perception, it became important as a part of wellness to brush your teeth. He says we're at that point now with sound. Mm. It's important that we learn what our ears are doing in a modern environment and that we get some kind of health to our sound environment. The very first part of it is perception, to understand that it might be something worth designing. That's the point we're at right now. So it gradually moves out from perception in a talk like this, which is really important for a group of designers to maybe think about. There are opportunities there. Right. There will, are opportunities sure. in design. There are opportunities in when you're making a corporate identity in a new building to start thinking about how it sounds from the beginning in the architecture and then the planning, and then you can end up with a built environment because all these built environments will eventually one day fade and be replaced and some will be historical etc but we're building new things all the time and we're retrofitting things all the time and we're designing products all the time and if we're able to get um the sonic aspects of the design in a place where they become more humane we get a gradual acoustic healthiness going it probably won't be a fast uh situation but right it I can't be yes.
2: what is the acoustic health of your building right
1: we, we don't mean your building is healthy. We mean the people in it feel yes, good. Yes. And they can communicate, and they're not shutting each other out. As this all becomes a little bit more healthy through humanistic design, you end up with a sonic commons that works.
2: So in your project with TD Ameritrade, you must have come upon some of these issues that Cindy and I have been describing. And there an a built environment, Yes. and there's only so many things they can do to change, what would you prescribe to a project like that?
0: What were a couple of positives that came out of it that you were able to help help a big company do? Well,
1: first of all, you can reduce randomness. Mm -hmm. You can reduce the randomness of your sonic messaging that's both intentional and unintentional. So, for instance, in, in one place, there may be three news channels going at the same time and all the speakers are on when they're trying to actually make people feel comfortable. So it's pretty okay. Choose one and make it directional. So what other sound is in the place? Is it a Is it a HVAC? Is it a a privacy screen of white noise. Could we design something better than a privacy screen of white noise that actually is nicer for the human? Certainly. Could it be branded? Yes. Could it connect to your web experience? Yes. So the flow from place to place throughout the corporation can be a, a pathway that's welcoming and humane to the senses. There's a lot of unintentional sounds out there that are just random and we have to take away. But there's a lot of sounds that are put there on purpose to do something, and they don't do what they say they're going to do. They make an irritating beep when they could make another thing. They make a yes when they should be a no. They give you the wrong kind of feedback. And if you really go through and remove all the things that give you the wrong kind of feedback from a hearing perspective, you've just made the whole environment more chill and so that's the first step remove the cognitive dissonance that you've put there by accident Mm. Uh, the other important step is to actually be honest about what sounds are there by accident and see if there's any of those that you can change moving a server farm into another location uh, might be a nice step Um, in a hospital why why do the alarms sound over the patients instead of at the nurses station you know Um, That's faulty thinking. That is, design something already that's easily fixable. So there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that one could do when one sweeps through the environment from top to bottom. Um, I worked with a brilliant uh, blind woman who does um, accessibility for the uh, Metro Bay Transit Authority. And just walking through her... Uh, environment with her and noticing and recording in many dimensions what her experience was uh, it became really clear that wayfinding is important how that's do you kn-
0: really really interesting right how do yeah. you
1: know you're on the fourth floor right. what does the fourth floor sound like what does the mm-hmm. third floor sound like if you created um, a cubbyhole of bins is there any identity is there any sonic identity that helps you wayfind? what mm-hmm. is it is it something that could easily be changed to make it more comforting? Is it something that could provide acoustic screening uh, other than just white noise or anything like that that helps you know that you're in an environment that cares for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: this brings to mind the, n- <clears throat> the neurological studies that go that took place to understand the sounds of gambling casinos.
0: Oh my goodness. <sighs> yeah, that's true. We kind of, yeah. that, that was like a very big deal in the hospitality world a while ago
2: yeah. Because when, when,
0: the, when the hospitality world was starting to morph and become yeah.
2: something else, something better and they were trying yes. to elicit certain behavior through the sound
1: sure and also in shopping malls, same thing yeah. mm-hmm. you make it as confusing as possible until you become really unstable and have to buy something to find out where you are uh, sure it yeah. works But should all our design prowess be used against us like that? It could be. Absolutely not. But to
2: use that science to understand how to design better spaces for the human condition. Yes.
1: It can be as simple as thinking with your ears, Mm -hmm. it can be as simple as sitting and closing your eyes for an hour in a room and noticing everything that goes on.
0: There's a sensitivity and this empowerment about the human condition mm-hmm. that is changing the way designers and architects are designing their world, and yeah. to add this other element that how did we forget this? Yeah, look, we, it hasn't been forgotten. Yeah, it's. But you're opening our our ears to more. Yeah, to more.
1: I have to say, you invited me, so your yeah. ears are already open. Well, and this is a turning point. Yes, now. you're this our is. turning point. <laughs> Bruce is our turning point. <laughs> you're my turning point. Oh my God! So
2: you're up at the Boston Globe earlier this year uh, for an event and um someone from mit someone from harvard and someone else from
1: Uh, northeastern university
2: northeastern okay and so they were these kind of people that are building they are responsible for the the cities of the future
1: yeah between sam and me we're really talking to city governments we did something for uh, a whole assessment of the uh, Frankfurt Green Girdle, the mm-hmm. the green belt around Frankfurt, uh, discussing potential interventions because they've created something that's beautiful visually, but it's a sonic nightmare. Uh, how can we? Uh, and that creates you go to the park for a nice experience, and you get a and end up with cognitive dissonance. So uh, you're in a bunch of pine trees, but jets are landing right over your head. Mm-hmm. So we created uh, something that ties the north and south green girdles together and put it on a bridge crossing the the main river. Uh, It's called Sonic Vista. It's a place where you can hear the entire city. And we turned the incoming sounds into harmony in B-flat and F-sharp from two specially designed speakers. So there's a spot where you can hear the whole city as harmony. And it's a beautiful experience so beautiful. and what that leads you to is instead of hearing all these things as noise or just coming across and taking a snapshot and spending three seconds saying wow look at that click oh um there's the world bank By, um, <laughs> we slow people down to listening speed and once you're slowed down and listening musically through the musical part of your brain to the tuned environment all these things become beautiful events the jet coming by goes from the key of b to f sharp as it flies over you start to notice the number of jets that fly by you notice as you do in music the rhythmic structure of the inputs of the city here's a barge coming by and creates the low frequencies and here comes a siren which is dancing between two overtones and creating a and here comes a jet another oh another jet every five minutes you start to notice the city as a symphony because you're listening with your music brain instead.
2: Well, that sounds like you've reversed it then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of shutting it out, you anticipate and look forward to that jet.
1: You start to dial in what is your city as an organism? How do you hear it as a beautiful organism?
2: As an orchestra. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As
0: an orchestra. Exactly. Well, this has been eye opening ear opening everything yeah. opening
1: yeah. eye shutting and ear opening <laughs> yes
0: exactly that's right close your close your eyes and open your ears In listen your with your ears yeah really
2: amazing right Think with your ears yes thank you so much thank it's you so much really
0: we have pleasure. to do more
1: thanks for the conversation yeah. and i i really uh that's what it's all about to just get this aspect of the human experience into the conversation of the people who are designing the various types of infrastructure of the human experience even personal ones personal devices office spaces
0: designers would say we definitely worry about the human experience no question about oh, yeah. that but you bring in a different perspective that's probably pretty critical that somehow has instead of shutting out sound is to do something better with it and we'll want to do that mm-hmm. don't you think oh absolutely yeah
1: yeah first step is understanding admitting
0: we have a problem oh yeah <laughs> isn't
1: it that's part of some 12 step yeah thing, exactly, right? exactly all of the 12 step things anyway
0: we could listen to your voice forever too by the way uh, so anyway Lovely. thank you bruce thank, thank you. you audio clips courtesy of bruce Odland and ren deckert Support for the Innovation Podcast comes from our friends at Interface, a globally recognized leader in commercial flooring. Interface's modular carpet tile and LVT systems help customers design spaces that enhance the productivity and well-being of those who use them. Better products, happier people, healthier planet. Learn how Interface creates positive spaces around the world at Interface.com.